good morning, Pastor Marshall. Um, <clears throat> um, we're on mission here to reignite love for God, for community, and for all of your service. But let me clue you in, church, that reigniting has to start in you first. Amen? That reigniting has to start in you. That, that spark, that fire has to start in, in you. So today what I want to do is I want to introduce you to a new series the new series, by way of introduction, um, I'm going to take my time with it this morning. Um, the new series is called Anxious for Nothing. Everybody say Anxious for Nothing. Yeah. Our goal in this series is to help us, because I believe some of you, just from conversations, I believe some of you are like your pastor. You get anxious and heavy hearted about things sometimes. Can I get an amen? All right. All right. Three of you are honest. Thank you for raising your hands. Um, so we get heavy hearted and anxious for for things and we could be anxious about anything. Um, yesterday, we were on the way to Bush Gardens for Hollow Scream and I was a little anxious in the traffic because I wasn't driving. So, <laughs> you know, sometimes you never know what you're going to get when you go to that tunnel. Um, um, and yesterday also, as we we're walking through the different haunted houses and we made it through five of them. Um, I was a little anxious at times, but I'm not that I'm not talking today about that kind of simple anxiousness that just comes and goes. I'm talking about the anxiousness that we all feel that you feel and I feel when it comes to your bills. When, when it comes to your relationships, when it comes to your kids concerns, concerned about your kids, you're concerned about the spouse, whether you have one or not. I'm, I'm talking about that, that lasting anxiousness. Have y'all ever experienced that lasting anxiousness, that heaviness, that, that anxiety that sometimes you wish it just would go away? I, I'm praying that in this series that God would help us with, with recognizing the anxiousness and that we would see the anxiousness leave. And at the end of the day, we'll all be anxious for nothing. Amen. <laughs> Anxious for nothing. So, so in Philippians, um, Philippians 4, Paul says, y'all know the Apostle Paul, he wrote most of the New Testament. Paul's been through a lot of stuff. But in Philippians 4, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. And then he goes on to say, do not be anxious about anything. Now, we know that's easier said than done. Do not be anxious about anything. Uh, so what I want to do this, this, in this series, what I want to do each week is I want to give a snippet of what Paul wrote in Philippians. And I, I want to I focus on that little snippet of what he says, because Paul says rejoice in all things. And I'll tell you why that's important that we'll use him. But then I want to lift another example in the Old, in the Old Testament, New Testament. I want to lift an example for us. We're going to go over the snippet, then we're going to lift up an example of what that looks like, okay? That's the goal in the series. And so Paul, just to give you some context, Paul, he's in Rome. He's writing from a jail cell. He's chained up to somebody. He's writing, rejoice, reignite church. Rejoice. I mean, if I was to take the time, I don't have time today to go over it, but if you would look at an Old Testament Roman jail cell, It wasn't nothing to be rejoicing over in ancient times. But Paul's in jail. He's in Rome. 
He was he was preparing his life to go to Rome and preach the gospel in Rome. And he finds himself at his destination, but he's not doing what he's expecting to do. And Paul qualifies to say, rejoice. I've been there, done that, got the T-shirt. Rejoice. And again, I say, because some of you need a reminder. And again, rejoice. Yeah. Yeah. Paul doesn't know what his life is going to end like, but yet he trusts that one who holds him is going to make it all right in the end. And so verse five, the snippet that we're going to focus on, verse five of Paul Philippians, uh, Paul's address to the Philippian church in uh, Philippians four. Paul says that he can rejoice because the Lord is near. The Lord is near. Everybody say the Lord is near. So. So this series, this series comes from <clears throat> a podcast that I was watching by Craig Rochelle. Uh, this podcast was over leadership, and it led me to Life Church's website. And uh, Craig Rochelle preached this series already called Anxious for Nothing. And in there, I found a bunch of resources for churches and stuff that they recommend and everything. Uh, and so your, po- your pastor studies. But um, I was inspired by this, this series preached by Craig Rochelle and Life Church. And so I decided to make it my own and, and put my own uh, thumbprint on it. But that's where the series comes from. You know, sometimes the Lord will use other people to give you what you need. Is that all right? And so that's what happened. That's, 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 where we're, that's why we're here. Um, but this series is for me first. Can I be transparent? Your pastor is not perfect. I told y'all, I'm being perfected like many of you I'm being perfected so this this sermon series is for you but it was for me first sometimes God will slap me on my cheek he'll step on my toes and I'm like if I can endure it I'm like I'm gonna take notes I'm gonna say somebody needs this too (laughs) it's not just my slap you know when I come in here and I have the handprints of God on my face know that you're gonna get one too so this series was for me first I found myself in this year this year um, and we started off with a bang. This, this year, I found myself studying and giving y'all the proclamation of, you know, we're gonna we're gonna pray that God's gonna do this, that, and the other. And 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 what I found that as God started doing some things, I started getting more and more anxious about stuff. E- even after praying, Lord, Your will, nothing more, nothing less, and nothing else. I was still finding myself kind of in the bed, anxious. Thinking about stuff. I don't know how many of you are like me. You wake up in the night and you just start thinking about random stuff just comes to your mind. But anyway, I eventually found myself vulnerable in the bed. Not vulnerable in a way where Tiff would take advantage. But don't let your mind go there, you nasty people. But vulnerable as I would approach going to sleep. I don't know if this ever happened to you, but sometimes I would get to the place where I didn't even look forward to going to bed. I'm a night owl by nature, but then I rise up early, too. But I got to the place where I didn't even look forward to going to bed because I know that I might not get a full night's sleep. And then if I wake up, my mind's just all over the place, going over all these negative thoughts, all these all these things that concern me. And I start to entertain them. And, you know, entertaining negative thoughts can be counterproductive to your faith. When you entertain negative thoughts. I told you before in another series, never negotiate with the truth that you already know. 
But yet your pastor, I'm sitting there, I'm sitting there two in the morning thinking about this, thinking about that, thinking about something y'all said, thinking about your family, thinking about where we're going, how the church is going to look, what the future is going to look like, the building I have in mind, all this stuff. I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about it. And, and instead of being a blessing, some, most of it has been just negative. Well, you're not there yet. You can't do it now. Look where you are. When we entertain something, when we entertain something, we also consider it. That's the definition of entertaining. We consider the thing. Yeah. So this weekend, this weekend coming, if I could fast forward, this weekend coming, Tiffany is going to, our leading lady, I know some of you say first lady, let, let me, while I'm, while I'm here, I don't like first lady. I mean, I like Tiffany, don't get me wrong. And, and she doesn't like first lady either. She's our leading lady, because I look at all of you females as ladies. So she's our leading lady. Everybody say leading lady. She's our leading lady, not our first lady. Sometimes the first lady is not a good representation. I must stay out of that. But she's our leading lady. So our leading lady is giving, uh, uh, she's doing a get-to-know-you type of thing for the ladies that signed up to go over to our house. It's going to be at our house this weekend. So ladies, come. You'll be blessed. But she's, she's doing a get-to-know-you type of thing at the house, right? Um, and she's expecting you to come. She's going to entertain, entertain you. You're going you're gonna to consider each other. But she's expecting you to leave. All right? She's expecting you to leave. You don't, you don't have to go home, but you got to get, I'm filling the blank. Yeah, she's expecting you to leave. And many of us entertain negative thoughts. We consider them. We consider our negative thoughts. We, we entertain them, Martine, with, with cookies and juice, and you know, we're serving them up trying to, trying, to, trying to do things by entertaining our negative thoughts. And the problem with doing that is that, that negative thoughts have no intention on leaving. They have no intention on leaving. So why do we entertain them? Why entertain them? Um, I'm not saying that we won't ever have a negative thought. But what I'm saying is our negative thoughts should never stay. Everybody say never stay. Okay, y'all are following me. Good class, good class. So this should never stay. We weren't created to live and thrive with negativity in our lives. If you're a negative person, we weren't created to live and thrive with negativity in our lives. So some of you say, well, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a negative person, Pastor. I'm not, I don't, I don't do negative things. I don't inspire people to do negative things. But you think negative things all the time. And I, I believe that bothers God because he's wanting to speak. And you're, and, and you're already like, oh, Lord, that is not going to work. That's not going to happen. That, that Lord, 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 because I'm a negative thinker. Hmm. What are you considering? If you're, if you find yourself anxious most of the time, like I have been, then maybe you might be living at anxious levels. And that's not healthy. That's toxic. 
to live at anxious levels. But I think I can help you with that this morning. I don't know about you, but sometimes I'll, I'll look at someone's life or um, I'll read about somebody and I can find the problem in their life that usually is probably a problem for me. How many of you are good at seeing uh, what someone else needs to do and noticing what they've done wrong? <laughs> um, so many of you are like me. Um, this morning, we have an Old Testament example that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to highlight for you. And we saw, we'll see what he's done wrong. But it's going to help us because we are all right there to some degree. And I wonder if you can relate to his name. His name is Elijah. His name is Elijah. I don't know if you've heard of Elijah before, but let me introduce Elijah to you. Elijah was a prophet who confronted an evil king named Ahab. Now, Ahab was a mean, evil dude. But his wife, y'all might have heard of her. You might just not know. You might not have heard that who his wife was. But King Ahab's wife's name was Jezebel. You Jezebel? Have y'all heard Jezebel? Maybe you just you just didn't put it to the text. But King Ahab, Ahab was a was a mean, evil dude. His wife was named Jezebel. He, she was even meaner to him. Elijah was a prophet in the Old Testament. And Elijah comes to Ahab and he tells him, this is what God said. He said, you know, Carmen, hey, God told me to tell you that it's not going to rain for three years. Now, the king wasn't too pleased with that because that meant that all his crops were going to dry up, the cattle, everything was going to be affected. Rain was important. And you're going to tell me that it's not going to rain? And you're supposed to be a man of God? It's not going to rain for three years? Oh, yeah, King uh, uh, Elijah, he went on a run for his life. He was running from the king because the king sought to take him out. And so at one point, Elijah, he finds himself hearing from God again. And God tells him to go back to the king after some, some time has passed. And he tells him to go back to the king and say, it's going to rain soon. So he's bold now. So he's, he's, he's able to come and, and say, hey, God told me to tell you it's going to be all right. It's going to rain. Um, but before we get to the rain, he said, I want you to, because he wants to prove that God, what he heard from God is true, that his God is true. I'm just paraphrasing for you the, the, the text. We're going to go there in a second. And so he tells them, why don't you take all your prophets? It was like 450 of them. Why don't you take all your prophets and I want to build an altar over here and I'm going to take and build another altar over here. And we're going to put a we're going to put a calf on there. We're going to put a calf and wood on here. And we're going to ask the 450 prophets, Lord. Uh, uh, King Ahab to pray that fire come down from their false gods because they worship the God of Baal. And so if your God is true, if what God, God tells them to do, if he's true, if Baal is true, then he's going to burn up this offering. Man, I, I was just looking at the text and I was wondering how many how many of us even have faith like that? And then he says, I'm going to put my I'm going to I'm going to stand over here by my offering, the, the wood, the calf and and the sacrifice. I'm not going to pray after you go first, and we're going to see if God will answer me. So they pray, and they believe in cutting themselves and things of that nature, right? So they're praying, and they're going through their rituals, and they, oh, God, oh, give me a car. Give me this. Do this. Oh, Lord, you're in this. Lord, you're in that. And they're praying, and, he, and, and Elijah's like, talk louder. Your false God don't hear you. Talk louder. Maybe he's asleep. Maybe he's on break, and maybe he's at Walmart. So they're here over there. Oh, God, oh, God, Bell, Bell, do it. Bell, do it. Nothing happens. Absolutely nothing happens. How many of us sometimes trust in other things and 
So Elijah, he's a smart aleck in my opinion. So he, he's like, now let me show you. And so he goes over to his altar. And he said, before I, before I go to my sacrifice, pour some water over it. He's going to pray for fire to come down, right, and consume it. And he says, how about pour some more water on it so they do it a second time. And they, there's a trench around it. They dug a trench around it. And he said, why don't you fill up the trench with water? So there's a third time that they fill up the trench with water. Now it's soaking wet. You know, nothing burns when it's, self, when it's soaking wet. And so he goes over and he's like, in my mind, my spiritual imagination, he's like, Father in heaven, Elohim, El Shaddai, Yahweh, my God, the God of the universe. Lord, you're the CEO of heaven. Lord, you can do anything but fail. My God, would you hear your, your prayers of your child? And he prays and God consumes the the sacrifice, burns everything up, water and all, laps up the water in the, in the trench built around it. The king is like, whoa, whoa. So everybody, all the prophets bow down. I'm going somewhere, believe me. All the prophets bow down. Elijah gathers them all up and takes them off and he slaughters them all. Elijah goes home. He has a conversation with his wife. Good news and bad news. The good news it's going to rain. You're going to get that dress you want. The bad news, it's going to cost us a lot. All the prophets died. She's upset, right? Righteously so. She's upset, which leads me to our text. 1 Kings 19, verse 1. After this victory, Elijah falls apart. He falls apart. And many of us are right there. God's done something great in your life. He's healed your body. He's touched you. He's restored your marriage or your relationship. He's given you the job. He's given you favor. He's made your month uh, matter where you where you worried about bills. And then and then something little happens after the victory. And we're anxious again. Verse one, it says, when Ahab got home, he told Jezebel who? his wife. He told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. May the God strike me, even kill me, if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you as you killed them. Man, she ain't no joke. When you swear on your own life, <laughs> woo! Verse 3, then Elijah, Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. Y'all see it? He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. And now he's serving alone. He's, a, he's by himself. He's, he, he left his servant there. And now he's going all alone. That's a dangerous place to be. Verse four. Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. Elijah wants to die. Rather than this, this girl take him out, this woman take him out, he just rather just wants to kill me. Just kill me. Crazy how we talk to ourselves. He believed his prayers, the things he says and thinks that God will, that, that God will do it. And now he's praying crazy stuff. <laughs> Lord, just kill me. Rather than me face the music. I've had enough. Everybody said, I had enough. I had enough, Lord, he said. 
take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died, those that already served you and went on off the scene. I'm not any worse. So the text says that Elijah had enough. So the title I want to present to you today, the title of our talk is, When You've Had Enough. When You've Had Enough. Yeah. Have you ever felt this way? I've had enough. I had enough. I've paid all my bills, and now this problem comes up. God, I had enough. I had enough. I've been faithful in my marriage. I've been faithful, God. And, and, and you saw that I was a good person. And yet he, he or she walked out on me and left. Lord, Lord, you know I love you, and you let him die. I've had enough. I've had enough. Have you ever been there? Have you, have you ever said, God, uh, I've trusted you, Lord, and now you let them hurt me again. And, and, and now you're afraid to trust again because you've had enough. And when, when you can't trust other people, and you are also saying, God, I don't trust you. I'm preaching to somebody. I've had enough. I believe you can do anything. And yet you won't do everything. had enough. It seems like, God, you're moving in everybody else's family but mine. I'm the only one who are, who's not seeing your blessing, who's not seeing those that we love come to Christ. I'm the only one. God, I've had enough. You ever been sick and tired of being sick and tired? Have you ever had anxious levels that were too high? Elijah loves God. Like many of you, he's seen God move in his life. He's seen favor in his life. And, and, and he's seen God do the miraculous as well as the simple things. But he got to the place where he just had enough. He's like you. He's like me. He's had enough. But there's four things that Elijah does. There's four mistakes that we can learn from his life. So like you. I like to look at someone who's been there, done that, and I can learn from their life. Because sometimes I don't give my, my own self the right counsel, but I can look at someone else and say, oh, that's what, I shouldn't do that. <laughs> you should do this. Or you should do that. So that's what we're going to do. We're going we're gonna to look at Elijah, and we're going to see what he should have done. The first mistake Elijah makes is he ran himself into the ground. First thing you need to know, he ran himself into the ground. The text says that he ran to Beersheba. What you don't know about the text is Beersheba is like 100 miles. He did like four marathons. He ran as far as he could go before he got wet off the island. <laughs> he went as far as he could go. 100 miles after the threat came, Elijah took off running. He ran himself into the ground. Now, the problem I have with many of us is that we have a tendency, I have a tendency to stay and, and, and to do things Till I'm so tired, I have nothing left for God. Yeah. I stay up too late. I feel like I got to do everything myself. And I run myself in the ground. You know, we can't do it all. We need help. We need rest. You are and I am a limited resource. You need things like food, rest, sleep. <laughs> I'm preaching to myself, I guess. If we don't do those things, we'll wear ourselves out. Elijah was afraid 
So his fears got the best of him and made him run. So he ran, wore himself out. Second thing Elijah does, he, he shut people out. Remember, text says that he got down and he left his servant, and then he went on. You know, we aren't meant to be alone. It starts all the way in the book of Genesis, in the book of beginnings. It says that man should not, God says to himself and to, to the Holy Spirit and to, and to Jesus, the, the logos, the, the express thought of God. He says man should not be alone. And so he creates us a help me. Why I'm talking about the help me? This is, this is for free. This is something else. I don't know why it came to mind. Sometimes we, we had enough because we say, God, I'm alone. Maybe, maybe you're a woman and you're thinking, well, um, I, 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 don't have, I don't have a good man. I want a good man. I don't have a good man. Pastor, you said that we shouldn't be alone. But we're, sometimes we're focusing on the thing we need rather than focusing on the thing we should do. And, and, the, and the text says, never negotiate the truth you know. The text says that he who finds a good wife finds a good thing. So maybe if you need a good man, you need to be a good wife before you have the good man. He's supposed to find, female's not supposed to find. I'm just trying to give you the truth. That's for free. I don't know why I went there. But sometimes we've had enough. Elijah shut people out. He left his servant. And he tried to do things himself. That's why regroups are important. He said, that's why regroups are important. If I can do a shameless plug. Not everybody goes to regroup. Everybody's busy. I'm probably busier than all of you. But I go to group. I go to group. I'm probably busier than everybody. I got a, a full slate every week. I'm not trying to get on the soapbox, but I'm saying my, my daughter's in volleyball. She's about to play basketball. Then I have groups. Then I got to study for the message. Then I got other things I got to do. Then I got calls that come up. I got all kinds of concerns to address, but I still go to group because I know there's power in group. Man, I was blessed in groups this year, this, this fall. Regroups are important. That's how you get to know each other. That's how you get to share and, 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 and um, get strengthened in community. That's one way we assimilate into our church. It's through groups, not just coming to service. It's through groups, leading, hosting a group, um, and just doing something. By the way, we do groups um, in the fall because I don't want to wear you out. Try and be respectful of that. We do groups in the fall. We break for the holidays, and then we do them again starting in January through the end of spring. We break for the summer. That's intentional. I want to make sure that we stay. Remember the book that we did, Emotional Healthy Spirituality? I, the first year we, we studied that, we read that, I asked everybody to get their own copy because we need to be a healthy church, emotionally healthy. So I try to intentionally always keep simplicity in mind. Anyway, Elijah shut people out. He did things by himself. The third thing, Elijah focused on negative thoughts. He said he had enough. When life is difficult, you think of ways, you think it always is going to be that way. When life is difficult. I'm always going to be alone. I'm never going to have any friends. Um, it's always going to be this tough. I'm never going to save. We'll never get the house. Hmm. I don't think Tiffany would mind me saying this, but one of the things she has a propensity to do is when we go to a restaurant, and, and I, I catch her. She's a little bit better with this now. Um, not that I won't share my flaws, but this is something that she does, and it's, it's a little silly thing. We'll, we'll go to the restaurant, and she'll see something on the menu she wants to know can she add avocado or something to it and she'll say I can't add avocado to this burger can I 
and she said the negative before instead of just saying can I have avocado or whatever she says it in a negative approach first and I try to be that to her mind because some of us do that all the time God I know you can't do this or whatever but I but I, I wish Lord that the situation was different negative thoughts is it always going to be this way never negotiate the truth you know I told you that before fourth Elijah forgot Elijah forgot God I'm still surprised how, how often many of us use God and, 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 and serves God and worships God on a temporary basis I'm still surprised I, I need him every week I need him every day every day every day I'm, if I'm on vacation, I'm looking at, you know, is there a place that we should probably go to church or something? Or is there a place that we can worship? Let's, let's focus on, him. you know, maybe, maybe it's a book I want to read and inspire myself and, and, and compare to scripture. But I need him every day. I'm surprised how many times people say they love, they love God, but yet, you know, you take breaks. Y'all on vacation from God sometimes. I'm surprised. We forget God, but we shouldn't forget the one who's always present, always faithful, and always comes, he always comes through. The exciting news, the exciting news is when God saw Elijah was anxious, he didn't punish him. We don't have that kind of God. When Elijah, when God saw Elijah was anxious and, and he ran, he didn't punish him. He didn't give him a consequence that, that, that was negative. What God said was he was going to show that he was near. Remember I told you the reference from Paul, the snippet? Rejoice always, and I, I will say again, rejoice. For the Lord is near. So when Elijah and God had this conversation in uh, 1 Kings 19, verse 11 shows us that Elijah found that God was near. He's always close. We, sang, we saw the video on that where, where uh, Tyrone Wells was singing about being close. Look with me in 1 Kings 19, 11. I want you to see something. Verse 11 says, Go out and stand before me, this is God, on the mountain, the Lord told him. And Elijah stood there. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by. And a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind was, after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord, see, Elijah needed God, and God was saying, I'm going to show you that I'm close. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a sound of a gentle whisper. And it just stops right there. God is encouraging Elijah. He's not turning his back on Elijah. He's encouraging Elijah. He said, I know, I know you're anxious. I, 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 know, you, I know you've done great things for me. And I've done great things with you. He said, but even in your anxiousness, even in your failure, I'm close. So he shows him the miraculous. And sometimes we, we have to see the miraculous to know and believe and trust God. But he's not always in the miraculous. He's not always in the big things that we want to see. He's not always in the loud things. You know, the devil shouts loud things. 
loud lies. You're not, you're not pretty enough. You're not strong enough. You're not faithful enough like so-and-so. You can't do it. You'll fail. Don't even try. Those are lies. Those are loud lies from the enemy, the enemy of your soul. But God was in the gentle whisper. Would you stand up, Matthew? Stand up, Anthony. Stand up, Tony. I'm going to use you guys right here on the track. He's not in miraculous. He's not going to. He's not going to come in here and and blow your hair back and his word. Why is God? Sometimes the thing that we think is loud that's speaking inside of us is not our conscience anymore. It's the Holy Spirit speaking, bringing things to our mind. We may think it's God, but it's the enemy of your soul. But remember, how do you know? How, Pastor, how would I know it's God, not the devil? Because he'll never contradict the scripture. He'll never contradict, he'll never contradict the truth. Everything he says will line up. He'll line it up with a, something you read in a devotion. He'll line it up with something you read on a, on a plaque somewhere, the, some kind of scripture that's on a plaque. You may even be driving down uh, I-64 and seeing something on a billboard that was never there before. And you'll see some truth. And you'll start recognizing that, oh my gosh, God, you brought that to, you brought that to life for me. You, you are close. Yeah. If I can fast forward Elijah's story. It says in 2 Kings 2, I believe, 2-ish, it says that Elijah one day was walking along with his protege, 
Elisha. Elijah and Elisha. Marshall and Jason. Elijah was walking with his protege, Elisha. And Elisha was asking that he would have a double portion of what he had before God takes him. Because God had, God had shown Elijah something, the leader, that the, that the mentee wanted. And so as they were walking along, there was a sound in heaven. And this chariot came down like a mighty rushing wind. There's only two people that ever lived on the, on the earth, not just in the Bible, on the earth that never died, Enoch and Elijah. And so in this, this, there was a sound in heaven. And Lord, if you want to take somebody that way, take me that way. So I won't be anxious. There was a sound in heaven. And this wind came down and this chariot came down and swooped up Elijah. Elijah. And he dropped his mantle to Elijah. Elisha, his mentee, as he went up to heaven. God brought him to himself. The thing he feared never happened. Lord, I just want to die. I've had enough. I just want to die. I've had enough. The thing he feared never happened. So let me encourage you with this, and we're out. The majority of the things you worry about is not going to happen. And you're anxious, sweetheart, for nothing. Sometimes it does happen, and it's not as bad as you thought. And you're anxious for nothing, brother. And sometimes it does happen, and it's worse than we thought, but God carries us through it. And it's already going to be, it's always going to be all right. And we should be anxious for nothing. So whatever you're anxious about this morning, and whatever fear you have the most, the Lord will carry us through it. I want you to say it with me. Carry me through it, Lord. One, two, three. Carry me through it, Lord. Say it like you believe it. Carry me through it, Lord. A third time, we're going to make it complete. Carry me through it, Lord. Yes, yes, yes. Because sometimes he's going to allow it to happen. But he'll carry you through. Psalm 34 says, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted. Yeah, yeah. So how would your life be any different? How would your life be different if you knew God's word experientially, but you performed it practically? And that you were, by the end of this series, that's my goal. That's my prayer. That's what I'm fasting for, Jason. By the end of this series, that we have negative thoughts, but they won't stay that we won't entertain and consider them. But that anxiety will come so we'll know that God is at work. I'm not saying that, that it will never come. That it will come. But by the end of this series, we'll learn how to be anxious for nothing. Amen. 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 Would you stand? Father, with every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm not going to do an altar call, per se, for salvation today. But I am going to do altar call for those of us who's ready to go to the next step. If you want to say, Lord, carry me through whatever I'm about to face, whatever I'm facing currently, carry me through. Carry me through with the right thoughts. Carry me through with the right people. Carry me through with seeing the right things in the text. Carry me through by you reminding me of whatever I need to do. Lord, I'm, I'm believing you to carry me through it. I'm gonna, we're going to open up our altar in a second, but I want to pray for you before we get there. Father, 
you see your people. I thank you for those that are here today. And I pray that you will help us, Lord. First, first, Lord, forgive us where we failed you, where we've been too anxious and we've lived in high levels of anxiety. And Lord, we, we, we're just, we're just, we're just uh, fallible humans. We're all the same. But Lord, we know we serve a great big God. And your Holy Spirit resides in us. We thank Jesus for that. We, we know that the blood of Jesus Christ covers a multitude of our sin, but also he covers our, He can cover our mind with, the, with that blood. He can cover our thoughts. So, Father, we thank you for Jesus. He's our hope. He's our way out. He's, a, he's our way through what we face. 